Welcome to the podcast of Rogue Valley Christian Church. We hope to be a place that connects you to Jesus, encourages you to grow in your faith, and challenges you to serve the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Happy New Year. If you're joining us online, Happy New Year. We're glad that you've tuned in. We'd love to see you down here in person sometime. In the meantime, those of us that are here, if you were paying attention, if you were, like I like to say, keeping score or keeping track of what was going on, Paul, one of our elders, read from the scriptures today. And if you took notice that, wait a minute, that's not from the story of Jesus. Number one, theologically, I would beg to differ, but we'll get into that another day. Number two, you're probably right. We are, for the month of January, going to take a break in the story of Jesus. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, man, does that mean six more years in the story of Jesus? And I would say two things to you. No. And even if it did, is that such a bad thing? Thank you. We are planning, just so everybody knows, we're planning to be done with the story of Jesus or make our way through the end of the story of Jesus, which culminates with his, his, his resurrection, right, and his appearances to his apostles and his people. We're planning to finish that up right around Easter. Does that seem like a good idea? It really does. It seems like a great idea. And then right out of Easter, we're going to jump right into the story of the church as found in the book of Acts, which is where we're at this morning. Now, the reason we're here this morning is because annually, right around this time of the year, we try to do something to consider the reality of our church. So in the past, we've done a number of things. In the past, we've done things. We did a series of messages that we titled, like, Why Church, where we looked at the theology behind all of our liturgies. So we talked about what is the God reason behind why we get together? What are the God reasons behind why we sing and worship? What are the God reasons behind why we study his word? I want to encourage you. I was pleased to see that all of those studies are still on the YouTube channel. If you weren't here for those or if you were wondering, wow, that'd be interesting, you can go check it out. I will admit they're a little dated. We've gotten better at the live streaming recording thing. However, they are on there and the information is good. Uh, it's a gift from the Lord, really. It's just great reminders. Last couple of years, we've talked about taking some time to really refocus on the reality that our core values are such that we love Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We want to love our neighbor even as, we're, as ourselves, as the Lord instructed. And the vehicles that we're going to use or the ways that we're going to use to do that is we're going to connect with one another and the Lord. We're going to grow with one another and the Lord, and we're going to serve one another and the Lord. Does that make sense? So we've done those things in the last couple of years, but we were having a conversation as a leadership team not too long ago, and we started thinking about church, and we started thinking about maybe you're like me, and you've gone to church for like 30 years now, okay, which is weird to me to say because it doesn't feel like that long. I didn't grow up in church, but as it turns out now, I've been going to church for more than half my life. That being said, it's easy for me, maybe you don't struggle with it because you're a better saint than I am, but it's easy for me to struggle with forgetting the reasons and the whys and the hows to which we do this. It's easy for me to take it all for granted. It's easy for me to just go through the motions. It's easy for me, now you might be thinking, does he really just go through the motions? 
Sometimes it feels that way, right? We do the same thing over and over and over. And it's easy, if I'm not careful, for my heart to get disconnected from what my head is doing here at the church. Does that make sense? Start thinking about that, realizing there's a lot of us. How many of you have been to church for 30 years or more? Raise your hands. Right? That's a lot of people. That's a real, oh, raise your hands. Now, some people, now, if you're at home, take a screenshot. <laughs> raise your hands. Now, some people would see all these hands and say, man, that church is full of a bunch of old people. I wouldn't say that. I would not, I would not say that. What I would say, raise your hands once again. What I would say is, look at that. That church is filled with people who have a heritage and a habit of gathering together on a regular basis to worship their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at those people. That's a group of people that are doing their best to provide an example to the generation behind them, above, above, well, probably not above you, but behind you and after you and so on and so forth. Look at that. To me, when I see hands raised up of people that have gone to church for more than 30 years, I see inspiration. I see a wonderful example. I see something awesome. However, it's not all of us. There are some people that maybe you just stumbled into the church for the first time today. It's some sort of New Year's resolution. And I recognize maybe you're not in the building, but maybe you are online and you Googled live stream churches in the Rogue Valley. And we just happened to come up first because our name is Rogue Valley Christian Church. So there you are. Welcome. And you might be thinking, okay, well, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to see what it's all about. But how in the world do we do all of this? So whether it's a revelation or a reminder, I think the process of Asking ourselves how we're supposed to do church is a good reminder. It's a great revelation. It's really good for our discipleship. So I'm going to ask you for your patience and your willingness over the next few, few weeks, four or five weeks, to lean in and to embrace what God has to say to us about how we do church over the next five weeks. And it doesn't matter to me if it's a reminder or a revelation. Let's lean in, trust that God's going to work through it so that 2023, as it relates to our church and the church globally, as it relates to our participation in it, know this, we can be exactly where God wants us to be. And, and, and what that means is not only here in the building, did you know that in the next year we're going to be here in the building doing church and how we do that is going to make a difference for somebody who walks in for the first time. You guys get that? We're going to be here doing church, and how we do that makes a difference to somebody who walks in full of hurt and hopelessness. Do you see how that works? How we do church makes a huge difference to the, to the people around us, to the God above us, and to us ourselves. And we hope it's inspirational as we go through it. Yes and amen. It's also worth noting, though, that we, when we talk about how we do church, and if anybody's wondering or worried, I've got a clock. I'm keeping track of time. I will say this. New Year's Day is different than Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day, we needed to get out in an hour. New Year's Day, hmm. Hmm. Now, the ones that are going, yeah, do it, are not volunteering in our kids' ministry wing. <laughs> Right? You keep them on blast. If they need us to be done, you have them text you. Right? Here's the thing. Wouldn't that be funny? You know how old school church, there used to be a number that came up if your child was having a hard time? Wouldn't it be funny if I had a number and it just comes up on the screen and everybody just goes, you know what I'm saying? That'll never happen. 
speaking of kids' ministry, we can always use volunteers. We can always use volunteers. Those of you that raise your hand said, I've done church for 30 years. Some of you are thinking, even as I open up the idea that we could use volunteers, some of you are thinking, I did my time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't find that phrase in the Bible. And maybe you should change your mind on the way you view it. <laughs> it's not a burden. It's a blessing. It's an opportunity to pass this thing called loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength onto our little neighbors. Amen. So even that, if you're like, wait, I could do that. It's a new year. I need to be newly involved. Man, just see Bethany right after the service and get signed up. We could use volunteers. She even raised her hand without even being asked. Did you see it? I'm so proud of you. And you look beautiful. Some of you are like, what do you do? I just complimented my, oh, never mind. So may have noticed that Paul read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there, get to it. Maybe this year we could be, this year could be the year of like we bring our Bible to church. How would we like that? This year is the year that we bring our Bibles to church. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't need to bring it. You put it in the pulpit or the, the chair in front of me. Okay, grab it. We'll argue with you later. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I believe many of you will recognize my, the scriptures that I use, the version that I use, even puts a little heading before it saying the fellowship of the believers. Many of you already know that this is a passage that talks about the early church, the first church, and some of the habits that they were in. Let me say this. We're not in this passage because we want to duplicate what it is that they did specifically. They lived at a very different time culturally. They lived as, just so you know, it was not legal for them to do Christianity during their day. Does that make sense? Uh, the only way the church survived was not only God's providence, but God's providence allowing the Israel themselves to see the church as a sect of Judaism, which would change. But he, in so doing, he protected the early church. And as a result of all of the opposition, confusion, and the lack of writings that was going on during that time, they did specific things out of necessity. It's worth noting and recognizing for us, our times are different we have the whole of Scripture. The canon is closed. We have all of God's Word, so we get to look at it from a different view. Christianity, even as it sits in our day, is still not illegal. While it may not be popular anymore, it's definitely not illegal. And this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Are you with me? Like, that's the reality, and so we're going to go through this passage over the next few weeks, and we're going to look at some of the things that happen. What we're going to see is some principles, some guiding principles as we ask ourselves, how do we do church? This passage is going to be an anchor for us, a biblical anchor, not just my opinion or the leadership team's opinion or anybody else's opinion, but a biblical anchor that gives us some insights into principles that will guide how we are present, not only within the church, but as the church. See, because the church is not just what's happening in here on a Sunday morning. The church is us spread out through the world, loving people in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? 
So while these principles and these guiding thoughts and ideas are going to be primarily talked about from the context of within our services, don't forget, please don't lose sight of the fact that they're still also, at the same time, guiding principles for how we live our lives. Do you see it? I would encourage you, if you have a Bible and you have a pen and you have a pencil, write that down. It's good. Amen? Nobody's writing. It felt good to say it. Actually, Christine, can you just write for me? There you go. Love it. Bethany, write something. Even if it's a weird mocking drawing of me, that's fine. I'm not saying she's done that in the past. So let's get into it, shall we? Are you guys okay with that? Listen, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which is as far as we're going today. Let me read it for us once again. And they... Speaking of the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The first guiding principle as to how we are supposed to do church is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you zoom in on that word, and they were, they devoted themselves. We're supposed to. How do we do church? We do it devotedly, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to do it devotedly. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayers. These are the things that are listed. These are not the only things to be devoted to as it relates to our Christian discipleship. For the sake of time, just so you know, they are the things we'll go through this morning, but I would encourage you, as people who long to love Jesus with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, as people who long to grow in their relationship with God, I would encourage you, look throughout the scriptures and see some of the good godly guiding principles that we're to be devoted to. Now, devoted is an interesting word, isn't it? I don't know about you, but on the one hand, I'm very familiar with it, and on the other hand, it's a very elusive principle. Like, on the one hand, anything other than me, I find hard to be devoted to. On the other hand, if it's me, myself, and I, I've got devotion on lockdown. I might even say I'm an expert at it. I'm really good at it. And if you guys are interested, I'll be teaching a workshop on it later. <laughs> Obviously, that's a joke. <laughs> devotion is interesting. I, I just looked it up in the dictionary. It's interesting. My Bible application program that I use didn't give me a whole lot about the Greek word other than a lot of drop-downs, and I spent, to be completely honest, an hour dropping down, 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 to where at the end of the drop-downs, I was just down and out. Does that make sense? I was like, I don't even understand the word anymore. Let's go to the American Dictionary. A lot of people have done a lot of work to help us understand things. So here's what devotion means. Devotion means this, earnest and profound dedication. Everybody take a deep breath earnest and profound dedication. It is a steadfast and single-minded faithfulness to a certain course of action. A steadfast and single-minded faithfulness to a certain course of action. As it relates to us this morning in the context that we're talking about, it's a steadfast and single-minded faithfulness to the process of not only doing church, but also being the church. So when we start to talk about one of the first things that we've got to realize as it relates to how we do church, we have to understand we are expected, just like they set the example, 
2,000 some years ago out of necessity. We are expected to do church devotedly. We are expected to be a people from God, by God. We're expected to be a people who are steadfast and single-minded in our faithfulness to this thing that we call the gospel and the God thereof. Now, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he plays it out a little more. He actually begins to talk about the things that they were devoted to. He, re, he, he in a sense, he makes it clear that the church at that time was steadfast and single-mindedly, faithfully committed to God's word, God's people, God's grace, and God's presence. Isn't that awesome? Like, how are we supposed to do church? We're supposed to do it by maintaining, staying committed to a, to a single-minded focus on the reality of God's word. He refers to it, Luke calls it the apostles' teaching, and I'll explain that in a minute. We're supposed to do it by being devoted to fellowship, but devoted to not only God's word, but God's people. Isn't that awesome? Did you know that you don't just go to church with one another? I'm getting ahead of myself. We're supposed to be not just sitting by each other, but we're supposed to be devoted to one another. We're supposed to be faithfully committed to each other. Did you know the level of our commitment will grow in relation to the level of our relationships? Oh, gosh, I didn't even write any of that down, but I feel like that's good enough. Yeah. supposed to be devoted to God's word, God's people, God's grace. He says the breaking of bread. And we know that not only did that include communal meals, but specifically it included the sacraments. Specifically, he was talking about the Eucharist, the, the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. Supposed to be devoted to God's grace. As we think about communion, don't we always think about the grace of God that was given to us even though we didn't deserve it? He still did it. We're devoted to that. And then God's presence, also known as prayer. Let's break these down really quick and then we'll get you out early. <laughs> 2023 is going to be the year where your faith grows. In Jesus' name. First and foremost, the early church was devoted to God's word. That is the apostles' teaching. We, too, should maintain a steadfast dedication to the Bible. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. We can go into the historicity of the apostles' teaching during that day, which, by the way, did not necessarily include the New Testament as we have it. Most of it hadn't been written by the time that this was going on. It would be written later, right, and recognized and then canonized. In other words, given authority by God to be his word, right? That would happen later. But right now, the apostles' teaching would have included their outlook and opinions on the Old Testament scriptures, but specifically how they related to the reality of Jesus. And it would have been so biblical, but their teaching would have also been experiential because they were, the apostles were the eyewitnesses, the ones that he's talking about there. They're the eyewitnesses to Jesus. They're the ones that walked with him, including Paul. They're the ones who saw Jesus. They're the ones who spent time with him. And so they would have had experiential reminders for the church, they would have talked about the things that Jesus told them. 
they would eventually write them down and we would get them, yes? So it's safe to say what we have in our New Testament, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is exactly, and then if you want to throw Paul in as an apostle, as one who saw Jesus and was an eyewitness to him later, Acts chapter 9. We'll get there when we talk about the story of the church. But when you throw in Paul, now you have a whole lot of the Old Testament, right? Or excuse me, New Testament. All of these writings, the apostles' teaching, they were steadfastly dedicated to the Bible. 2 Timothy, just a reminder, verse, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What Paul tells Timothy about the power of the scriptures is essentially this. It is useful for Christian living. It is necessary for Christian living. It is important for Christian living. It is a key to Christian living. We as a people, how do we do church? We do it devotedly. What does that mean? That means that we take the scriptures absolutely seriously. We devote ourselves to them. You may have noticed as a church, we have a habit of just walking through the scriptures. What you haven't noticed throughout six, seven years that I've been here, what we haven't noticed is as a church, we're doing a series on you, name, and figure it out. We don't do that. What we do is we don't even get really creative. If we're doing a Bible study on the life of Jesus, we call it, we're doing a Bible study on the life of Jesus. I don't know about you, but in a day and an age where everything seems to be overcomplicated, I like the simplicity. I like the no guesswork. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about Jesus today. Where are we going to do that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You good with that? Good. Amen. That's what we're doing. Like, we're going to take the Bible seriously. We need to be a church that is about the Bible, not just teaching it, but reading it. And I'm not talking about teaching it just one guy on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about us as parents, us as friends, us as Sunday school workers, volunteers, kids ministry. Did you guys hear that? I'm talking about us having the opportunity to teach the scriptures wherever and whenever we can. Actually teach them. Explain what they mean. Do you know what that requires? That requires reading. So we need to be a people that are about the Bible. That means we've got to read it personally. We've got to study it, think about it, live it. The first church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. You could say it this way. They were a people of the book. And so should we be. Let's be a church that really is about the Bible. Formally, informally. Personally, proactively. When we're doing our services and we're, when we're living our lives, let's be a people that are about the Bible. Now, I recognize, you don't have to raise your hand, but I guess that there's people here that have dedicated themselves maybe once a year. You're like, I'm going to read the Bible. And you make it a certain part, and you're like, this is really confusing and super overwhelming. And there are really good things on Netflix. I recognize that reality. Just so you know, we've all experienced it. We've all been tripped up by other things as it relates to being committed to God's word. And that's okay. We're here for each other. If you want some help as it relates to studying the Bible, you want some help as it relates to a plan to read the Bible, you want some help as it relates to getting in with other people and thinking through the scriptures together, just reach out to us. We'd love to plug some gaps. We have some studies. We have some uh, workshop materials. We have lots of things that can help all of us do a better job this year of of, of, of of being devoted 
to God's word. Second thing, really quickly, the early church was also devoted to God's people. Luke called it to the fellowship. And that's an interesting word. It wasn't just they were devoted to being friendly and being friends. You got to remember in their day and age, all of them, any of them who placed their faith in Jesus in Acts chapter 2, if you look just above that, thousands of them did so one day. Isn't that amazing? Thousands of them did so one day. And when they did that, for the most of them, they were immediately ostracized from their community. They were immediately no longer able to do so many of the things that they did as Jewish people, as Gentile people. They were then labeled, if you will. They had to be committed to fellowship. And fellowship isn't just a potluck, and it isn't just getting together, and it isn't just whatever it is that we call it. The fellowship that is spoken here is a very unique thing. It's a commitment to a type of togetherness that is distinct in its commitment to both exemplifying and expressing the profound effect that Jesus is supposed to have on our lives. In other words, listen, it is a type of togetherness that is unique from all other togethernesses. Because in the context of Christian togetherness, there is an opportunity to practice Christianity that should make our fellowship, it should make our togetherness distinct. Meaning this, our togetherness should be different than all the other togethernesses out there. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying it's going to be more entertaining. In fact, it's probably not. We don't have the budget to keep up. Are you with me? I'm also not saying that it's going to be without problems. It's definitely not. Why? Because we all still have a little problem with sin, selfishness, ego, pride, all of those things, right? But I am saying this. If we call ourselves Christians and we're willing to wear the jersey, so to speak, it's supposed to have an effect on our lives. And if it has an effect on our lives, then it has an effect on our togetherness. Our fellowship is to be characterized by the character of Christ. It's supposed to be marked by forgiveness. It's supposed to be marked by love and not just wishy-washy junior high. I love you now, but love somebody else later. I'm talking about a love that says, you know what? I love you through thick and thin. And because I love you through thick and thin, I'm also willing to tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, especially if that truth is necessary in your life for heading you off of a cliff that will kill you if you fall off. Does that make sense? We're talking about being marked and characterized by love, by compassion, by mercy, by understanding, by justice, by hope, by gentleness. You guys see that? Our fellowship is supposed to be distinct. And understand this, we're supposed to be devoted to it. And I think that's an important exhortation. Why? Because if you've ever done relationship with people, you would probably agree with me that people are hard. You all are D. 
difficult. <laughs> we are all walking issues swirling around ourselves, bonking one another on the brains. You know what I mean? Have you ever had a moment in church? Let's just go there. You ever had a moment in church and you left church and you're like, I cannot believe so-and-so did such and such. And you go out with righteous indignation and you're convinced that you're going to be devoted to fellowship, especially that tough love that tells the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help Darren, but said so. You had that moment. So the next week you come back to church because you're going to be just in your actions. You're going to make this right. You are not going to be a victim any longer. This is getting really dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> so you go up to that person and say, I just wanted to talk to you about something. Immediately the person is like, this is a weird way to start a conversation. Right? That's what happens. And so in the midst of the conversation, both of you are like this, figuratively speaking, and you're like, do you remember when you da 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 Right? I've been going to the gym and we throw punches. I thought people would appreciate my form. Like they came from the feet, involved the hips. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Listen. So you remember when we did da-da-da-da-da, and you tell that person who did such and such to you, and you're like, I can't believe you would even. And the other person goes, I had no idea. And you're like, how did you have no idea? You looked right past me when you were walking and talking to that other person. And you're like, no, I was going to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? You're like, no, you weren't. I saw you. And you're like, you saw me go to the bathroom, which is weird. Right? Like, this is the thing. we got to understand, we have to be devoted. I think there's a call and a requirement to be devoted to fellowship because togetherness is tough. Now, it's not always going to be tough. Did you know that? There's going to be a day where Jesus comes back and he writes all wrongs. And we're going to be together with him in eternity. And there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more fighting. There'll be no more misunderstandings. We will be as we were always intended to be. And that's going to be a great time. But we don't get to say, well, I'll pass on the fellowship time till we get there. We don't get to do it. The early church was committed to it from day one. Day one. This was an important thing, their togetherness. And the togetherness, let's make no mistake about it. Some people will look and go, man, I just want to do church like the early church. Did you know that they were committed to a fellowship with people they hated before they became fellowship with one another? How hard is that? If we're going to look at it, let's look at it honestly. If we're going to be devoted to it, let's be steadfast about it consciously and understand that it is going to be tough. But that's what makes it distinct. We do not give up on one another because Jesus hasn't given up on us. Amen. Amen? We forgive one another because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. Let me say this. This is 2023. First day, right? Have we mentioned that? First day. If you're here and you've got a problem with somebody in the church, whether it's in the church right here online or at another church, you've got an issue with them. and It's been eating you up for one year, two years, ten years. Just make it right. Look to the Lord and say, okay, God. If I'm going to be devoted to the fellowship of the believers, if I'm going to be devoted to your people like you want me to, then I'm going to do my part and make it right as far as I'm concerned. 
And if you want help with that, come and talk to us. We'd love to pray with you through that. We'll even go hold your hand with, I mean, not really hold your hand, but like be there if you need us there, right? And if you're a lady and you need somebody to hold your hand, we'll find a lady to hold your hand. Does that make sense? The point is this. Let's be a people that are committed to faithful fellowship. Let's be a church whose fellowship is a blessing to everyone participating as well as those who are watching. I'm not talking about those online. I'm talking about those in the neighborhood all around us. Let's be a blessing. May our togetherness be something that inspires people to want to come and see what Jesus is all about. Amen? He goes on. The other thing that we're supposed to be connected or devoted to is that people, the early church was also devoted to God's grace, the breaking of bread. We too should be committed to communion, not just making time to lovingly gather and share meals, which, by the way, is a type of communion. It is a type of doing life together. And one of the things that I think is awesome is I hear things, because I hear all the time. I ask questions all the time. I like people and conversations. So I'm like, hey, what did you do last night? And a lot of times I'll hear, well, we went and had dinner with so-and-so. And after I get through the hurt of not being invited, I'm like, that is so awesome. Are you with me? You guys have felt it before, too. How many of you have experienced that very same moment? Raise your hand and ask and trust God for healing, Right? That's the reality, right? One of the things that I think is amazing about this body of believers, about this fellowship, about this church, and how we do church devotedly, is you guys are devoted to this. You have people in your homes all the time, breaking bread, having meals together. A love feast, so to speak, is what the early church called it. However, know this. If you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, the early church messed it up really quick. And they needed correction. Let's avoid that by doing it properly. And one of the ways that we can ensure that we do communion property, properly is by doing communion properly. Meaning the sacraments and the Eucharist. If you've gone to church here for any length of time, you know that we make time for communion each and every Sunday. It's absolutely important that we not only make time to lovingly gather together to share meals with one another, but we also set aside time to faithfully remember his love through the communion elements. What's interesting is if you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, I'll read it for you, chapter 11, verse 17 through 28. I know it's a lot of scripture, but it's good for us. Verse 17, it says, but in the following instruction, Paul says, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For eating, for in eating, one goes ahead without with his own meal, and one goes hungry, and another gets drunk. Verse 22, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend this? No, I will not. You see, Paul is talking to the church and he's talking to the Corinthians and they had made a mess out of their love feast and communion time. They blended together in such a way that it was about who had and who had not. And it was about selfish uh, protection and presence more than it was selfless recognition and consideration. 
And so Paul goes on to say this. He says, for I received from the Lord, verse 23, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning, concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink the cup. It's a sober reminder for us. The church, the early church, and I believe us as well, is supposed to be devoted to the sacraments. We're supposed to be devoted to God's grace. We're supposed to be devoted to a regular reminder of God's grace that we call communion. But whether it's a love feast, we get together, we just share a meal together, or we are liturgically doing communion together, one of the most important things is this. We have to be a church that is considerate as it com when it comes to our communion. On both levels, on a fellowship level, we need to be considerate. Recognize there are people that feel left out. There are people that are alone. There are people that are wondering if anybody loves them or has friends. We need to be considerate. It's so easy in our own friend groups, and we all have them, to just get in this relational rut where we just bank on the same people all the time, and we just do that. Now, again, it's a gift from God, but we should be considerate of God's voice and stay open to the fact when he might say, hey, can you invite so-and-so? Would you wrap in such-and-such? -such? Would you include that one? You know what I mean? Now, on the other hand, if you're that one who is lonely but likes being alone, when somebody comes to wrap you in, just go with it, man. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't help to be like, no, I prefer to be alone, and then complain to the Lord for six hours on how you were alone, and God's saying, I sent you seven invites for dinner. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get up, go by faith, and go. But I don't know about their house. I don't know what their food preparation is like. Who cares? Not One meal not going to kill you. I mean, it could, but it probably won't. <laughs> like, how many of us ate today? And we're all still alive. Good. We're fine. You can trust each other. Does that make sense? Let's do that. Let's like be considerate about our communion on both levels as it relates to, relates to fellowship, but also as it relates to faith. Be considerate each week as we do communion and we remember the Lord's sacrifice. Let's not do that mindlessly. That's what he's talking about. Let's not do it selfishly. Let's not do it just repetitively or as, a, as, a, as just a habit. Let's do it devotedly. Like, we're going to do that at the end of the service, right? We're going to practice some of these things, communion being one of them. And at the end of the service, we have an opportunity to embrace the elements, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and let it have the weight that it's supposed to have on us week in and week out. Amen? We need to be a people who are devoted, steadfastly committed to communion, to God's grace, not only for ourselves, but to the consideration of others as well. Finally, you'll be happy about that. The early church was also devoted to God's presence. They were devoted to prayer, which is awesome and amazing. You gotta remember in their day and age, from their background, most of them being Jewish, 
prayers were interesting. They were prescribed. They were proactive. They fit into a program. Some of them required being at a certain place at a certain time. But speaking of communion and God's grace, do you remember when Jesus died on the cross? When he did so, we're told in the Gospels that there was a large curtain that divide, in the temple that divided the holy place from the most holy place. And the most holy place was the place of God's presence. And when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two. And every Bible scholar agrees, therefore opening the way for those who believed in Jesus to have unfiltered, unlimited, and unbelievable access to God himself. In fact, the book of Hebrews actually says, let's go boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. Like, we got to be committed to God's presence. We should be a people of prayer. Now, I love the fact that there are lots of proactive prayers going on. There's prescribed prayer, and there's scheduled prayer. I know that there's prayer on Sunday mornings. I know that there's prayer on Wednesdays at noon. Most of those things are happening on Zoom. If you're interested in participating in that, you can talk to Abby here. She does that on a regular basis. you got to talk to her soon. She's leaving town. But if you don't get to her, then you can, sorry, you can talk. Was that a secret? You guys knew. Okay, good. <laughs> If not, Abby, you can talk to Rachel. If you run into Larry, Todd's wife, Linda, you can ask her. There's all kinds of opportunities to gather together in prayer. But it's not just doing it together, but it's also doing it as individuals. Individuals? <laughs> it's a new word. As individuals, we too should be steadfast about spending time with God in prayer. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. I just love this little verse. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Let's be a church that is persistent about praying. We do it publicly, privately. We do it personally. We do it corporately. We do it specifically, and we do it spontaneously. You ever been made uncomfortable by a spontaneous prayer person? Like, you're just going about your day. You're just going about your evening. You're just hanging out. You're playing, like, I don't know, categories, Or maybe you're playing, what's that game we've been playing lately? Um, code names. Maybe you're playing code names, and somebody at the code names, they get a little frustrated. They're like, you know what? Can we just stop and pray about this? And you're like, look, man, we did church last night. Today we're playing code names. You know what I mean? You gotta be, we gotta be a people that are like, wait a minute. We are going to trust each other as we're persistent in prayer, all its forms, all its types. Amen? Like, just be a people who pray. I love the fact that I hear from people all the time, I'm praying for you. How many of you have fallen in love with the new smartphone emoji that is supposed to be a high five, but it's not? It's just prayer. Like, I don't care how the world sees it, but when I, can, when I text you this, and sometimes I'll do it with my face, which looks strikingly familiar to my face, when I do that, just know, I'm, legitimately, we're praying for one another. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Whenever somebody sends me that, like if somebody sends me back, like, hey, praying for you, man, and I get this little emoji, I don't think to myself, are they really? How long? Are they praying for me or about me? <laughs> Let's come to a security, a secure place in Jesus. I don't care if you're praying for me or about me. You're just praying, and it concerns me. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Keep doing it. Because <laughs> we all know we could all use it. Amen. The early church was devoted to God's presence. They were devoted to God's grace devoted to one another, God's people, and devoted to God's word. That's a great start for how to do church, isn't it? 
How do we do church? First and foremost, we do it devotedly. These are some examples that comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I encourage you, get back into the word and find some more. Why don't you stand with me for just a moment? As you do, Dalton's going to come back up. I'll leave you with this thought at the end of the message before we do communion. May devotion, devotion to God and his guiding principles, may devotion become one of the most important guiding principles for our presence at the church when we come together all the more for our presence as the church when we're out in the highways and the byways. As we prepare for communion, here's the way it's going to work. We have elements in the back at any time during this next song as individuals, as couples, as families, as friends. You can make your way back. I would suggest this. If you make your way back down the center aisles, come back to your seat up the side so we don't get a like a traffic jam and you sooner than you thought had to practice selfless fellowship. Just for the sake of everybody else, let's have a nice little flow where you go back and you grab those elements and you think about the reality of the life, the death, the sacrifice of Jesus. The reality that all of this conversation about being a part of the church only happens because he took our place on a cross he shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. And not just forgiven, but in the context of this morning, belong to something that's bigger than us. In a way that not just needs us, but wants us, values us, uses us. Not just a thing that we go to on a Sunday morning, but the reality of God's plan for bringing hope to a hopeless world. That's the church, ladies and gentlemen. And if we'll do it devotedly, just like he was devoted to us in giving his life and shedding his blood, man, what kind of effect could the church actually have on the world around us when most experts are saying the influence of the church is over? It's a thing of the past. It's no longer relevant. Well, I'm here to say, you can say whatever you want about me and my church. We know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And according to God himself, the gates of hell will not stand against what he wants to do through his people in here and out there. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Rogue Valley Christian Church, please visit our website at www.rvchristian.com.